So it's really dependent on your comfort level and what you want to do. Because regardless of ACOG recommendations or recommendations from me or anyone else, you have to decide what's best for you and your family. Welcome to the podcast where we get into the real and raw of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. My name is Hannah Gill. I'm a VIA-back mom, doula, and birth educator, and I help women discover their options and harness their inner power to have the experiences they desire. I'm here to support you through the ebbs and flows of these transformative years so we can have open and honest conversations about the hard, the messy, and the beautiful parts of motherhood. This is the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. This is episode number two, and it is going to be our first Q&A episode. So for these Q&A episodes, I will be answering three to four questions at a time. All of these questions are submitted from you guys, my audience, either through DM on Instagram or through the link on my website, however it's most convenient for you to submit them. So let's get into our questions for today. So this first question is from Joy Lily. She asks, how to prioritize postpartum rest when you have other children? I love this question, especially because I just had my second child last year. So I have been through this process as well. So I will give suggestions based on what I have been through, what I've seen other women go through, and some suggestions for different scenarios. So my first suggestion would be to recruit help in any way possible. That could be family friends, a nanny, a babysitter, hiring a postpartum doula, any way you're able to get an extra set of hands at the house would be great. This could look like your family or friends coming over to help watch your older child while you have some one-on-one time with the baby or help watching the baby while you have one-on-one time with a toddler. Even just coming and doing household chores would be great because then you can truly just rest with your children instead of having to worry about picking up the house or cooking food or anything like that, which you should not be focused on postpartum anyway, regardless of how many children you have. And I know that some people do not live near family or friends, or they don't have the financial capability to hire someone. There are ways to add postpartum services to your registries. So I have a registry guide that you could download um, www.ebbandflowbirthco.com slash registry guide. And it uh, lists different postpartum services that you could put on your baby registry. And I know that so many people go through baby registries and just put everything for the baby, but it's really important to prioritize yourself and your family as a whole. And that's what we did for this. Our, my daughter, the second time around was we asked for the finances, so like money to go towards postpartum and birth services, so like doula services. And then I also asked for massage gift cards, which is a separate way to rest. Obviously, that's outside of the house, away from the children. But so like I was saying, recruiting help in any way possible, uh, family, friends, nanny, babysitter, postpartum doula. 
and their help can look a little bit different depending on your situation. My second suggestion would be to do activities in or on the bed or couch. So obviously these are the two most obvious places where people rest are the bed and the couch. So this could be like having your baby and your toddler with you at the same time, or maybe when the baby's napping or however you want to do it, but you could do activities such as reading books, coloring, magnet tiles or blocks, sensory bins, especially for the toddler and pretend play. So just having like animals or or figurines or whatever to play with, but do all of these activities while laying down in the bed or on the couch. That's a way that you could really rest your body and potentially rest your mind as well, um, especially if the toddler is laying there reading a book or coloring, maybe you're nursing baby. There's different scenarios where these situations can work. And obviously <laughs> I know that toddlers have plenty of energy. So this could just be one of the, like, if your toddler doesn't nap anymore, maybe this could be just a rest time for them. It's a quiet time. My third suggestion, and I know this could be controversial, but it may come to the point where you potentially need to implement more screen time or activities that you are not directly involved in. So for an example, during my maternity leave on the days where my son, my toddler was not with my parents, there would be a couple of days a week where they would just come pick him up to do activities Uh, There were days where it just became so overwhelming that we had to implement some additional screen time more than what he usually gets. So he would sit and have some screen time. And if my daughter was napping, then I would just rest next to him having screen time. If my daughter was not napping, I would rest with her, nurse her, just anything to give my body and my mind a few minutes to relax. And... This is also a good suggestion for if you are on your second or third or however many pregnancies, but if you have other children at home, especially in that first trimester. So I was extremely sick my second pregnancy, the first trimester. So I had to resort to oftentimes having my son have extra screen time while I ran back and forth to the bathroom getting sick and just laid on the couch because I was exhausted. So I know screen time can be a controversial subject for a lot of people, but there are times where it can be useful and helpful, especially when you need some rest. Okay, this second question is from Sarah, and she asks, what is your favorite part of being a doula? This is a very loaded question, but I was able to come up with what I feel is my favorite part, and I've had my own children but witnessing birth from the other side of things just gives you a completely different perspective. So my favorite part of being a doula is being able to witness a woman when she is at her most vulnerable yet strongest moments ever. So birth is such, and pregnancy in general, but birth and pregnancy are such a vulnerable time, especially in the throes of labor. But at the same time, it's when you are at your strongest, like your body is growing and birthing a child. Women's bodies are so powerful and beautiful. Our bodies do the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed and been able to do myself, had the pleasure and honor of doing myself. It's truly amazing. And being on the other side of it, you can see that point when the mother 
mentally feels like she can no longer do it, like she can no longer go on, but her body is doing it. Regardless of what her mind is telling her, her body is doing it. And it is the most magnificent, just awe-inspiring thing I've ever been able to witness. So that is 100% my favorite part of being a doula. I may have another episode entirely on on being a doula and, and what I like about it, what it entails, but that's for another episode. Question number three. This is going to be a little bit of a longer answer. This question is from Amelia. She says, my provider supports VBAC with a minimum of 16 months birth to birth. Is this a normal time interval? So I'll first start by saying nothing is, is considered normal. There's variations. Everyone is so different. But 16 months from birth to birth would be waiting about seven months prior to getting pregnant again. This recommended time interval will change depending on what provider you ask. So I've heard various doctors, midwives, et cetera, answer completely differently on what they suggest the time is to wait between birth to birth for like a cesarean to a feedback. Regardless of if you had a cesarean or not, ACOG recommends waiting at least six months to get pregnant again to allow your body time to heal and recuperate from birth and nine months of pregnancy. So it doesn't matter if you've had a C-section or if this is a VBAC, if it's your first pregnancy to your second or your third to your fourth, ACOG recommends waiting at least six months. In relation to VBAC, it is estimated that your uterine incision will be fully healed by about six months postpartum. So I know of women that have had back-to-back pregnancies with only about 12 months birth-to-birth that have had VBACs. So it is possible, and it all depends on your comfort level and your understanding of the risks and benefits of getting pregnant again quickly after birth. So you're really your body just needs time to heal overall. I mean, you just were pregnant for nine months gave birth to a baby regardless of if it was vaginal or C-section. So your body just needs time to heal. But obviously, there have been women that have gotten pregnant right away after giving birth and their pregnancies and birth have gone fine. So it's really dependent on your comfort level and what you want to do. Because regardless of ACOG recommendations or recommendations from me or anyone else, you have to decide what's best for you and your family. So thank you so much for tuning in to our first Q&A episode. I know those are very quick. They're meant to be that way. And if you would like to submit a question, you can go to ebbandflowbirthco.com slash question. And there will be a form to fill out to submit a question for Q&A. You can also DM me on Instagram or Facebook and submit your questions there as well. Thank you guys for listening today and I will see you next week. You just finished another episode of the Ebb and Flow Birth Show. For more, head over to ebbandflowbirthco.com or on Instagram at ebbandflowbirthco. As a reminder, this podcast is provided to you for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice. Until next time, bye friends. Bye friends.